Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Phillips Positive Podcast. Firstly, I would like to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is a different episode compared to the previous ones we have done, as it is not a member of staff at Phillips High School. During this episode, we have the privilege of interviewing author and a motivational speaker, Paul McGee. Paul McGee, commonly known as The Sumo Guy, has just brought out a fantastic new book called Yes, The Sumo Secrets to Being a Positive, Confident Teenager that can you, you can read yourself in the Phillips High School Library. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the listeners of the Phillips Positive Podcast. This is episode five and we are very lucky to have an absolutely fantastic guest with us today. We are joined by Paul McGee, the the is well known as the sumo guy, um, the motivational speaker and an author who has brought out some fabulous books um, and just brought out a brand new book called Yes, which is an absolutely fantastic book. I've read it myself um, and we have him joining us today. So hello, Paul. How are you doing? Hi, Mr. Barlow. It's great to be with you. It's been a really busy day, very full on, as I'm sure it is for everybody. But um, excited to be with you and excited to talk about the book. I really am. It's very. Pa- I've got a real passion for it. Yeah. And so I'm really looking forward to sharing some of my thoughts around it and how it can help your pupils. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so obviously, I w- luckily enough, I got on touch with you on social media. I got on touch with Twitter just for the listeners that are listening to see how this came about. Um, and I was interested, I know there was a lot on Twitter about your brand new book. Um, so I got in touch with you, asked if you would come onto the podcast. And luckily, somebody that followed our Twitter site knew you or knew somebody that you was friends with and was able to get in touch. So that's how it came about. So just um, my first question, can you literally just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your career, a little bit about how you've got to where you are today. Okay, yeah, my background is in beef burgers. I started off my life many years ago working as a graduate management trainee for Bird's Eye Walls. I specialise in HR. You know what, Mr Barlow, my first six months, I'm in a pen, I'm in, a, in, a, in an office pushing pen and paper. Then I've got a life, I have a life-changing conversation with the factory manager. He says, Paul, do you not be really good for your development if you manage the 30 women on the economy beef burger line actually in the factory? And I'm like, yeah, bring it on. I was naive. I thought this will be good. Yeah. Um, I learned two main lessons from that, Mr. Barlow. Number one, don't eat economy beef burgers. They're not good for you. I've seen how they're made. And secondly, when arrogance meets ignorance, that's a really dangerous cocktail. And I think I was a bit arrogant because I thought... Because I've got, I'm pretty well educated, you know, I went to a grammar school, I got a degree. Um, I thought that therefore I was set up for life. And I, I realised that actually my degree helped me get my graduation, but it didn't necessarily prepare me to manage 30 women. Um, I have to say a big change in my life, and we've all maybe gone through change with what's been going on with COVID, um, is that I lost my job through ill health many years ago. It's nothing to do with beef burgers but I became ill an illness called allergic encephalomyelitis yuppie flu or chronic fatigue syndrome there's a very good chance that most of you haven't heard of that illness best way I can describe it go to bed at night and you want to charge your phone up and it's in the red bar it's only got about five percent uh, charge in it imagine charging it up all night and when you go to your phone in the morning it's only on ten percent yeah. it's still in the red zone and that was like it was for me it was like I had no energy and um, I was ill for over three years, but there came a point where I thought, you know what, maybe I'm now at 25%. I've started to see a bit of the green bars appearing on my phone. So I thought I'll try and get a job part-time. I couldn't because no one would hire me because I couldn't pass the medical. So here's what I did. I hired myself. I was amazing at the interview. I was a standout candidate <laughs> and I even passed my own medical. And, and since then, yeah, I've written a few books. I've written 12 in total, but the one you mentioned is my first ever book that I've aimed at young people. Yeah. And I'm known as a sumo guy. Sumo, it, it can stand for shut up, move on, which sounds a little bit aggressive. It wasn't meant to, but it got people's attention. But what we also have as an alternative definition for sumo now is stop, understand, move on. Yeah. And that's what I try and do, just help people, whatever their age, stop and understand where they're at and why they're at, where they're at, and then move on. 
And your final bonus, because I know you'll want to know this and impress your mates and everybody else. Sumo is a word in Latin, not as an acronym, but as a word in Latin can mean to choose. And as my mate Drew Povey says, every day is a choose day. C-H-O-O-S-E. And I guess all my ideas, Mr. Barlow, are about helping young people and adults as well to make some better choices in life. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. I've recovered from working with the Fergus just about. Now, it's interesting you say the Tuesday. You, When you was younger back then and unfortunately you fell ill, you had a choice to make, didn't you? You could have either given up and stopped and, you know, been a, um, had maybe a stressful real life, but you choose to not do that. And the career path you've now taken, obviously, has gone very well. And you, you're now chosen to change and try and help and educate other people. Yeah, I think one thing to think about, Mr Barlow, is this, is that life at times is a game of snakes and ladders. And some of, some of your pupils may have um, played that game or certainly be familiar with it. And what can happen in life and what happens to me when I lost my job through ill health, I landed on a snake and it was a flipping big snake and it kind of went something almost like to the bottom of the board. Yeah. And it's easy to want to quit and to give up. But, you know, I was still only in my early 20s when that happened. And I'm thinking, well, hopefully I've got a few more years left. What do I want to do? Just be at the bottom of the board, yeah. moaning and um, just being sad about what's happened. Yeah. Or do I want to roll the dice and I hope by rolling the dice, I'll move, I'll move forward on the board and maybe find the odd ladder. Yeah. And, and I have found some ladders, but even then, you're still going to come across some snakes. They might not have taken me to the bottom of the board again. But, you know, life has its challenges for all of us. And I think what we sometimes fail to remember is that when we get a sack back, when we land on a snake, we sometimes think we're the only ones it's ever happened to. And it's not. Yeah. But I'm a great believer. Don't quit too quick. You know, stay in the game. And, and that's what I've tried to do in life. And that's what I've tried to share with lots of people. Yeah, brilliant. And I suppose hopefully many listeners, especially at this moment in time, can relate to some of the things that we're going to talk about because of the stressful times that we're in in terms of the, the COVID, people getting sent home, home learning, etc. So I'm really hoping that the things that we talk about, the listeners can take on themselves and, and make a difference within their life. Yeah, I certainly hope so as well. Brilliant. Excellent. So, uh, my first of all, um, I've read the book. It was amazing. It, I read it in three to four days. I'm sure some of the listeners are thinking, Mr. Barlow can read. He's a PE teacher. Yes, guys, I can actually read. Um, yeah, but, but to be fair, Mr. Barlow needs to also tell you this, folks. It does have a lot of pictures in it, to be fair, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's why Mr. Barlow only took him three or four days. I reckon most of the pupils flip and listen, read it in probably about half a day. <laughs> but he's a PE teacher, three to four days, lots of pictures. Yeah. But when I wrote the book, I had PE teachers in mind. That's what it was all about. Oh, I'm a bit harsh, sorry. But no, carry on, sir. I'm glad you like the book. <laughs> Uh, so my first question is, what encouraged you to write this book for children? And, and why do you think it is so important for them to read at this moment in time? I wrote a book in 2005 called Sumo, and it was in a sense Sumo for adults, if you like. And at the, bottom, the back of the book, I put something about I'd love to try and help young people as well and, and try and get some support and people trying to help me to kind of like make my messages more relevant for, for young people. And we've subsequently set up something called the Sumo for Schools Foundation. Lots of resources for schools on, on working with pupils to help them, in a sense, get the best out of themselves, get the best out of others and get the best out of life. And what prompted that was I, let's be honest here, there's no sugarcoating this. I ran away from home at the age of 10. And you don't really make such a major decision to do something like that unless you're really, really unhappy. Yeah. And I guess I lived, had a very, very difficult childhood. My mum was great, but I had a very, um, well, not a great stepfather, let's put it that way. And so as I got into my sort of like late teens, early 20s, I realised in a sense, I felt like my, my mind was a bit messed up and I started to read books and this will date me now. You won't have even heard of the Mr Barlow, but there was such a thing called cassette tapes years and years ago. 
you yeah. can ask your history teacher about that. And, and I started to try and almost like reprogram my mind and rethink about things. And I guess my life felt a, a mess at some, at the, some levels, but I gradually started to, it was almost in a sense like get a toolkit to help me deal better with life's challenges. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, you know, I was in my thirties and in my forties thinking, wouldn't it be great if I could have learned all this when I was a lot younger? Yeah. And so Sumo for Schools happened and I had people help me develop the material who were teachers. But if I'm honest, Mr. Barlow, I never believed I could write a book for young people. I thought someone else will have to do it. Yeah. And believe it or not, it's the 18th of November as we're recording this. I don't know when people will be listening, but it is literally a year ago this month around about this time that I finally decided the publisher was almost begging me. They said, there's a real need for young people to get your ideas. Right. And November last year, I finally decided, okay, I'll write the book. And why have I done it now? Well, partly because the publisher said it would be a great idea, which it, it was, and because I always wanted to. But there was, and it's an interesting lesson for all of us, isn't there? There was a belief for some reason in my head that I'd written lots of books for adults, but could I write one for young people? So one of the things I decided to do to help myself was to think, okay, I'm gonna do loads of research, do lots of writing. And then I thought what I'll do is I'm gonna ask young people to read the first draft of the book and give me their feedback. And you know, if they're just saying, this is a complete waste of time, it's boring, you don't understand us, then I need to start all over again. Now. They didn't say that. And although there were things that needed to change and improve, they were really, really encouraging. And that gave me the courage, if you like, and the belief and the confidence to go, maybe I can actually then do a book for young people. Yeah. And maybe that's something we all need to learn. You know, this thing about growth mindset. Sometimes yeah. my fixed mindset was a right for adults, a right for teachers, head teachers, people in business. But I need to have a growth mindset that maybe understand maybe it's possible to take some of your skills and adapt them and change them and get support from other people to write them for younger people as well. That's what I've done. And I've been absolutely overwhelmed yeah. at the feedback that I've had. I'm really, really encouraged. Excellent. Well, I think it's just such such an easy read. I know you, you break it down into your six chapters, which is kind of your six life lessons that we've gone across. And I know that you, you say a nice quote in there that it's it, it's easier to teach younger children than to teach broken adults or something along those lines. And I thought, yeah, it's it's like easier. It's a quote from um, an American uh, gentleman from the 1800s who said, yeah, something along those lines. It's easier to um, build young children yeah. than to um, help repair broken adults. Yeah. And in some respects, Mr. Barlow, I think I was a broken adult. Even though I'd done well, okay at school, and even though I'd got that job, um, I was still broken in many ways. And I was broken because of stuff that happened when I was a child. And so if we can give our young people the tools they need to build a good life, and not just to help themselves, but to help each other, then I think when we get into being adults, we're in a better position to enjoy that part of our lives. Yeah. And what a, what a perfect time to release a book like that. Yeah, I never realised when I was writing it, you know, researching it in November last year, started writing it in January. No idea, like many of us did, had no idea what the world would be looking at when the book finally came out in October. Yeah. So um, my first question for you in terms of the first chapter, which is called There's Something Amazing Inside You, is one about football. Now, I know from reading the book, you relate a lot of, to sports. Um, and I, I understand that you work as well at professional football clubs and, you know, you're yeah. a professional speaker and stuff. Now, well, my, my, my question was going to be, who do you support? But I actually find later on in the book who you do support. So yeah. my question is, um, who, well, who do you support? And are you missing going to the stadiums and watching the games? And what do you think about the games at the moment played behind closed doors? Sure. I mean, for me, I, I appreciate not everyone listening will be into sport, which is why I still use examples about drama and, and one thing and another and J.K. Rowling and, and her how she gets rejected to publish Harry Potter. But yes, yeah, sport maybe is something most of us can identify with to some degree or another. 
But for me, being a passionate football fan, it isn't just about seeing people kick a ball around for 90 minutes. It's the whole experience. It's the build-up and it is the fans and it is the stadium and it is the atmosphere and the banter. And it is the uncertainty that goes with watching a match. You know, will my team win? And the fact is in some sports, you know, you can see loads and loads of tries and whatever, but in football, one goal could be all that, that, that matters and could make the difference between winning or drawing or losing potentially. And so I have to say, I am missing the buzz and the energy and the whole sense of occasion and experience. Yeah. Have I watched a bit of the old match of the day in the highlights? A little bit. But even when I watched it in the past, although I wanted to see the, the sport played, I love watching the reaction of the fans. I love watching the players celebrate. Yeah. So I've definitely missed it. I feel like I'm watching football in black and white. Right, yeah. And none of you are old enough to remember, but years ago, many, many moons ago, last century, we didn't have colour television. It was black and white television, believe it or not. Again, ask your history teacher about that one. And I feel like for me, some, some parts of life are a little bit black and white at the moment, and I am missing the colour. So I guess what I've got to do is think, well, how do I add colour to my life? And I cannot wait on lots of levels for clearly this pandemic to be over and to be getting back to a football match again. Yeah. And, and you you talk about the experience in your book when you watch the, the David Beckham free kick going in against the, the Greece to take us into the big competition. What an absolute experience you must have experienced then. It was, it was great, but also in that, I use that story not because people might go, it's all your sport, it's all your book about sport and, and about um football. Uh, no, it's about it's about using examples. So that example is David Beckham, who was a free kicks expert, but he, he tried several free kicks during that game and, and none of them had, had got, you know, he'd not scored with any of them. And again, if you think about it, but he didn't quit. And, and one of the other players said to him, literally said, do you want me to take this last one? And it was literally the last minute and we needed to score and Beckham took some ownership. And and he took the he took the free kick, and he scored. And it's fair to say the actual match was at Old Trafford. <clears throat> the place was bouncing. Um, but again, he's a, a role model, as are lots of people are role models. About you get a setback, you don't get success straight away, but you keep persevering and you keep trying. Yeah, hundred percent correct. Now I'm hoping a lot of pupils read this book and will say yes to not giving up. And this I've. Whilst working in a school, this is one of the most common things that I feel is happening in schools at the moment. When pupils come across something difficult, they tend to just give up and not give it a try. And they're too quick to ask for help and not try for themselves. So what advice can you give to the pupils that are listening that may be going through this situation at school or even worse at the moment, those that are at home learning? When, when I talk about it, what you will find, seriously, you will find that opening chapter. I do a little bit of an introduction and 17 things about me and, and some crazy stuff. But then I talk about there's some of the amazing inside you. And what's amazing inside you is your flipping brain. But we need to appreciate our brain. Um, it evolved in the African savannah 200,000 years ago. And its primary purpose is about keeping you alive, keeping you safe. And also, if it can save energy, it will. And you might be going, why are you telling us this? Well, just listen to that last point. If it can save energy, it will. And what I mean by that is it's almost a natural default for at times us to be a little bit comfortable with being lazy. And so when you try something and it doesn't work straight away, you can almost go, oh, I can't do this. No, 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 no. It's your, it's a fail. And you probably heard this acronym, fail, first attempt in learning. Yeah. And, and it's like playing snakes and ladders. You landed on a snake. And, and our brains can be telling us, oh, we need an easy option here. Let's save energy. Let's get some, either ask someone else to do it for us or quit and give up. And so we've got to almost like challenge ourselves to kind of say, hang on a minute, and maybe I need to need use some more energy here, because actually some things to learn are a struggle. They do take time. And I think sometimes my kids used to go when I when they were young, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. 
And it's like you want life to be easy, but actually you don't. Because imagine, let's go back to the snakes and ladders. Let's go back to all the things that you've got to revise for, plan for, doing your PA, PE, doing your arts, doing your sport, whatever. Imagine if the game of snakes and ladders had no snakes on the board. Yeah. In other words, there's no setbacks. So you roll the dice, you land on, on a, just an ordinary square, and then you, land on a, then you land on a ladder. Then you land on another ladder. Before you know it, you've won the game. Yippee, I've won. And it didn't take any effort. Where is the sense of satisfaction in that? Yeah. There isn't. Yeah. The sense of satisfaction is when you've overcome an obstacle, when you've overcome a challenge, when you've stretched and when you've grown. Let's say that you, um, I don't, let's say you play tennis, for instance, and you're playing against someone who you always beat. There's no satisfaction in that. Yeah. And then you play someone who's better than you. And then you lose to them and you go, oh, but I'm not as good as them. But you'll get better because you're playing someone better than you. Yeah. So life is about realizing, I've got this phrase, success ain't straight. You don't just go from one success to another. You have a success, then you get a setback. You learn from the setback, you move on, you get another success. Then there's another setback. I mean, I know maybe it'll come out in the interview later, but let's mention it now. Sumo, I'm a Sunday Times best-selling author. Now, there's not hundreds of thousands of people who can claim that, but I can. And you go, oh, that's very good. You were lucky. No, I tried flipping hard. Yeah. Because to become a Sunday Times best-selling author, when my Sumo book came out, 13, 13 publishers rejected the book. Yeah. In other words, 13 publishers said, this is not going to work. I landed on the snake 13 times, yeah. but I kept persevering. I got some support and encouragement. It became a Sunday Times bestseller. Yeah. So I just want to encourage people. Understand your brain's a bit lazy at times. It wants to save energy, but sometimes it's like, okay, I've got to overcome that because if I want to achieve something and feel really satisfied, then sometimes the struggle and the challenge is what gives you that satisfaction, not just the success. Definitely. Yeah. And like you say, that is how you learn by going and finding for yourself and trying to find the answers rather than getting that quick process into your brain. Totally. Yeah. Now you talk about your fast system and your slow system parts of the brain and you describe it as one wearing a red cap, which is the fast side and one side wearing a blue cap, blue cap, sorry, which is your slow side. Now your red side makes a choice, even when it has not got all the facts, it's that flight or fight or flight part of the brain. And your blue side is your thinking brain, which use it's a plan, reflect and analyze in order to make decisions. Now, as a teacher working in a school, I find that children tend to use the red part of their brain a lot more frequently than, their blue, than the blue, blue part. Would you agree or do we develop the blue part of the brain later in our lives? Now, I would say we, we do it as we get older. And you, you actually tell us that in the book, don't you? Yeah, that's right. So again, we're back to that chapter, there's something amazing inside you. And if, if anyone's listening to this thinking, either a little bit confused or they're a little bit curious, read the book so it'll become more clear to you. But there's these like two parts of the brain, fast, that primitive emotional part, red cap, and the slow brain, the blue cap, with the more logical, rational. Now, again, what's interesting, Mr. Barlow, based on your previous question is, when I'm in my red cap, I can be, I don't have to think a lot. Brain likes to save energy, remember? Oh, I don't have to think a lot. So let's just react. Let's just jump to conclusions. Let's act first, think later. Let's meet another kid and go, I don't like them. Well, that, you don't know them. Yeah, but I don't like them. Well, that was a very fast reaction. Oh, I can't do maths. Oh, I can't do sport. Hang on a minute. That was a very fast reaction. And so we just need to stop and understand that sometimes how we are. Recognize that we can all still engage our blue cap. We can, but again, it takes more effort. It takes more time, but the outcome, the benefits are to be had. However, let's also stop and understand and be kind of kind to ourselves and recognize, and parents need to be aware of this, that in our teenage years, as we go through our adolescence, there's a lot happening and changing in our brains. And maybe the red brain is even more dominant and accessing the blue cap 
is a bit harder. So it's not impossible, but it's harder to do. But and it could be argued, some people reckon that we're almost like in our mid 20s before that blue cap, that blue part of our brain has fully matured. So let's be kind to ourselves and realize why our brain does the, what, what it does sometimes, but realize that can sometimes get us into a bit of trouble and therefore try and work hard as I look at in the, in the book at trying to use more of our blue cap when we can. And a parents needs to just understand what the challenges young people are going through that aren't just to do with a global pandemic, but are to do with what's going on in their brain as we go from being a child through adolescence and into being an adult. Yeah, they have a lot of pressure on them at the moment, don't they? Especially in school, you know, your relationships, your your pressures of school and etc. So, yeah, um, it's interesting you say about you. You tend to develop that by the age of you know your mid twenties. I was reading that myself, thinking, I I think differently now compared to even three or four years ago, you know. So I think that's developing all the time. You know, I think differently. Yeah, now. I think so. We become we become more mature, hopefully, and experience can be a great teacher. Although I'd always say that experience is a great teacher when you evaluate and you actually reflect on the experience and try and learn from it. Because I think some people can gain loads of experiences but keep making the same mistakes because they don't learn. I mean, I'd have to say, Mr. Barlow, and this might shock people to think about this. You know, I'm I'm 56, and that won't shock you because I know I sound an old bloke and I know what cassette tapes are. But the point is, I still find at times my first reaction is a red cat reaction. Yeah. Uh, even in my as a 56 year old, you know, I, as a parent, and and it's learning. I become more aware. Paul, put on the blue cap. Engage the blue cap. We don't have to think about engaging the red cap. That happens automatically. Blue cap, the slow brain, which I explained more in that opening chapter, that's where we have to be a bit more deliberate and, in a sense, choose. Sumo in Latin, to choose. Yeah. Every day is a Tuesday. I have to make choices every single day as well. And those choices sometimes go, slow it down, take time, stop, think, reflect, press pause, don't immediately react to every situation. Yeah. Fantastic. And it is, there's more about that in the first chapter, which you put brilliantly in there. Now, one thing's really important here that I'm going to talk about is social media. Now, I know social media can be an amazing thing, um, but I know that it is also destroying a lot of people, I think, in terms of fitness. We're becoming overweight. We're spending too much time on our screens. Now, at the, at the uh, you talk a bit about social media at the start of your book and mention that obviously thousands of years ago, our, our ancestors weren't interested in how many Instagram followers they have. So I wanted to know really what's your opinion on social media. Now, I have recently stopped using social media for a number of reasons. I'm still on your Twitter. I still occasionally go on the Facebook. But in terms of like surfing Facebook, Instagram, I was spending too much time on that social media and I weren't, I had my head in my phone too much. Now I've just read a document today from the government that states that a third of pupils in secondary school are classed as obese now. And I honestly believe that social media is having an effect on that. So I wanted to know your opinions. I, I understand social media can be amazing for certain things, mm. but what is your take on social media? Okay, it, well, it's a tool, isn't it? And if you think, if you would say to me, what's your, what's your take on fire, Paul? I'd say, well, fire can help you warm up your food, warm up your home, in a sense, heat, um, but it can also burn your house down. And I think social media is a bit like that. It's got the potential for so much good, but, there's, but it's also got the potential, if we're not careful, for so much bad as well. Yeah. And, and what I would say is on, on social media and, you know, I'm for some of your pupils, your students listening to this, this is all they've ever known. You know, the iPhone only came out 13 years ago. There wasn't an iPhone 13 years ago. Yeah. 13 years ago, there was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. There was no Snapchat. There was no WhatsApp. So, again, just Everyone needs to understand a lot of what we've got now, we've never had before. 
it's still new to us. It's still in its early days. What I would say is there's a little, I think look, for me, social media is a great way of engaging with people who read my books, have heard me speak. But also, if I'm not careful, when I do a lot of reading, particularly on Twitter, of people's comments and opinions about things like politics and whatever, and I realise it can do one of two things. It can make me anxious about certain things or it can make me angry. And again, Red Cap, we do things that are easy and are simple and we do them autopilot. So it's a lot simpler and easier to sort of like just keep scrolling and reading stuff and then reacting to it. But it can make you anxious or it can make you angry. And then sometimes you can be WhatsApping a friend um, and you're messaging each other. But again, you don't, everything can escalate because everything can happen so flipping quickly. Yeah. You know, I'm one of those prehistoric dinosaurs, Mr. Barlow. I can't flipping send a message using both my thumbs. I'm still using my forefinger. So in some respects, it takes me about 14 hours to reply to a message anyway. So what I would say is it's a fire. It can be good for us. You know, bring us heat, warm our food. Social media can be good for us. But we've got to suddenly think, OK, am I spending just a bit too much time on it? And, and I think it's quite interesting, isn't it? Sometimes I'm finding now that what seems to be a real dominant um, belief for some young people is not, I've got to enjoy life. No, I've got to let other people know that I'm enjoying life. Yeah. So before lockdown, we were visiting my, my daughter in London and we went to this quite nice restaurant. Um, and, and what was interesting was a group of young girls came, probably aged from about, I don't know, 17 to maybe like 20 years old. And rather than enjoy each other's company, they just spent the first 45 minutes, and that is not an exaggeration, posing to have photographs taken. Yeah. And I said to my daughter, what's all that about? She said, well, they'll be going on their Instagram, won't it? And it's like, we're trying to convince some people, not all, obviously, everyone else how good our life is yeah and yet actually the experience of being in that restaurant and the whole atmosphere and the quality of the food was completely missed on those young girls yeah. because they were too busy posing and then retaking and then i'll just look at that photo again and i need that rechange it changing and i need to do this and i'm like flipping out just enjoy being here yeah. and we're obsessed with trying to pretend to other people how happy we are and how amazing our lives are yeah. and it's sad and it's hard for young people because for some that's all they've ever known yeah, and the thing is right. particularly if you're feeling low it's like don't go on instagram instagram we don't i like instagram i'm on it people can follow me at the sumo guy if you're if you're old enough to do so but Sometimes what you're getting is just the best version of everybody's life. Yeah. And actually, our lives aren't always like that. They're pretty mundane. They're pretty routine. Just like for everybody, we've got to, you know, take out the rubbish, un, you know, load up the dishwasher, you know, clean our teeth, go to the loo. Life is actually quite mundane. Now, there's some great things about life. Well, flip and well, enjoy them and experience them yeah. rather than just take a photograph of them. Definitely, yeah. Now, moving on to, your, to the second chapter, the magic formula. I love the equation that you talk about when you were, you were driving to Wigan for pie and chips and the equation you heard on the radio by Jack Canfield was... E <laughs> yeah, it's a romantic meal with my wife. I know how to treat her. <laughs> it was E plus R equals O, which is the events plus the response equals the outcome. And this is so true and it is so common, common to see pupils as well as adults to just give up when they fail or come into a difficult situation. And this is something I was telling my year seven cross country group last week. I explained that their response to the event, the event being the cross country one, would then affect how well they did. So do you mind talking a little bit more about the event and the response, which equals the outcome? Yeah, and there's a, there is a great chapter on it, which is called The Magic Formula. And what I mean by that is I think sometimes for years, Mr. Barlow, I thought if I have a bad event, then that will lead to a bad outcome. You know, if a publisher rejects my book, then the outcome is I don't have a book published. If I land on a snake, I lose the game. If I don't do well in my geography A-level, then my future's finished. Um, if I don't get picked for the school team, then I'm no good. And what I've learned, 
what I've learned, and sometimes I've got a homeschool, well, that's really difficult and missing my mates. Yeah, that's all true, but that is an event. The outcome to that event isn't, pure, isn't purely because of what happened. It's, as you say, how you respond or react. Yeah. So 13 publishers reject me. That's an event. A number of publishers reject um, J.K. Rowling. That's an event. But J.K. Rowling sold millions of books and there's all sorts of films and everything. I'm a Sunday Times bestselling author. Hang on a minute. But your event was bad. Yeah. But it's not just the event. It's how we respond to it. David Beckham's a hero because he scores a goal for England in the last minute. We go to the World Cup. Yeah. But his previous events were he kept on missing. So it's all about our ability to respond well. In other words, two students or two pupils doing the same subject, having the same experience in the same class could have the same event, but they could end up with a different outcome. Why is that? Because of how they respond. You get dropped from your rugby team or from your hockey team or whatever. That's an event. But your outcome isn't dependent on because you got dropped. Your outcome is how do you respond to that? So that's what I mean by the magic formula. We do have choices. Remember, every day is a Tuesday. Of course, we'll be disappointed when things don't go well, but that isn't the end of the game. That isn't the end of the story. Yeah. So for those listening, when you're next on your cross-country, make sure your response to the event is a positive one and you should get a better score, shouldn't they, Paul? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I've used this next one myself recently after, after um, reading your book, which is asking someone if they've used the BSE card. And they go straight away. What, what's that mean? So it's called, obviously, the blame someone else card. Now, even in PE, when we tell someone to stop talking or why they had not got their PE kit, they are so quick to blame someone else. They use the BSE card. My mum didn't pack my bag. It wasn't me talking. It was him. And nobody seems to want to take responsibility for their own actions. And they need to use the blue part of that brain, like we mentioned earlier, more i think some even like to blame the teacher as you said in the in, in one in your chapter and you've just said there two people in the same class can have the same event but a very different outcome and you state that the you know the same teacher has, has taught that lesson but one might have a grade a or one might have a grade c or whatever um and it is that response isn't it to the events that end that yeah. Yeah, we can all get, we can get defensive and I understand we get defensive and I also understand that sometimes other people did do things that didn't pack your bag or whatever, but then you can go, so what do you do, you want to blame your mum all your life or go, actually what I need to learn is normally someone else packs my bag, but before I leave home for school, I'm going to check my bag's packed and take a little bit of responsibility and ownership. Now, again, that takes a bit more effort, but it's up to us. So I've, I, failed my geography a level and when i was asked at a job interview years later why did you feel you fail your geography a level i said because the teachers were boring and they weren't very good do you know what the interviewer said how many people did geography a level in your year i said about 30 he said did all the other people fail as well and i went no he said oh did they have different teachers to you i went no they had the same ones yeah but you said you failed it was the teacher's problem it was the teacher's fault but how come your mates with the same teacher passed? Yeah. And it's sometimes like, maybe I need to look in the mirror. Maybe it's not all down to me for why things haven't gone right, wrong, but is there a part of it that if I looked at myself in the mirror, I thought I could have done something there to improve my situation and help myself. So that's what I mean by, but adults do it as well. We've yeah. all got that easy. It's getting, it's a fast brain. Quick, yeah. I'll blame someone else. I won't take any responsibility. Now, in, in your, I think it's the third chapter, the, the most important person you'll ever talk to, this leads us nicely on to, you state the seven things of our inner sumo coach will tell us and ask to state our favourite. I definitely believe that number two has to be my favourite, the, the, the one that states, maybe you are not the best at everything you do, that's fine, just focus on get, getting better today than you were yesterday. Focus on progress and not perfection. Now, I love that quote, and I always say to my pupils, what are you doing today to be a better person for tomorrow? Now, in terms of a PE teacher, when we have people that forget the kit, simple things like organising your PE kit the night before helps you 
to be a better person tomorrow because you you know you're not late to school you can't blame it on someone else and you have the full kit don't you so i i know that you you say seven there's seven different um things in there in the third chapter but i thought that was a really nice quote just to and and i like to think about what are you doing today to be a better person tomorrow well, I, I, it is a great one. You see, the thing is, you can always be unhappy if you keep comparing yourself with other people who are better than you. There's, there's lots of people who sold more books than me. There's lots of people who speak at more events than me. Yeah. There's a lot more people who've, you know, been on TV. I've been on half a dozen times, really. That's it. So there's always going to be someone who's doing better than me. And if I compare myself to them, I'm always going to feel a bit disappointed and a bit sad and a bit, mm, I'm not doing so well, have I? Because yeah. I'm not as good as them. Yeah, but this is your journey. You know, we start in different places and we just need to recognise that it is, as you rightly say, Mr. Barlow, in what way am I, am I a little bit better today than I was yesterday? It's about improving me Definitely. and getting better yeah. and, and give my best to the world rather than think I have to be the best. No, because not everyone's going to be number one, are they? And yeah. so if you say, well, not everyone's going to be number one, so that doesn't mean everyone else who lost is a failure. No, we're all improving and we're all getting better. Yeah. So listen a bit more to what I call your inner coach rather than your inner critic. And again, I talk more about that in the book. If you think, well, what's your inner critic? Well, read the book, get curious, and you'll find out. Yeah, read the book. Now, what I love about your book is, is the chapter's names and this one, chapter four, the hippos do it and so should you. Now, in chapter four, you talk about everyone needing their hippo time and you describe this as when hippos go into the mud to get out of the heat to cool down, that we might need to do the same. At this moment in time, I believe that this is so important, especially in these uncertain times. And we have currently gone into lockdown Life can be stressful with school, homework, relationships and things going on at home. Why is it so important for people listening, both pupils, staff and parents, to take some time out, of, uh, take some time out for themselves to rest and recover? Yeah, I think what, what we sometimes just need to allow ourselves, we talk about, you know, hippos wallow in the mud and you might need a little bit of a wallow emotionally or like you say, get out of the heat, cool down and play. In other words, we just need to understand our own emotions and that we're not always going to feel amazing every single day. And with what's been happening in the last few months, it has become a lot harder. So I guess part of the message is it's OK to not always feel OK. To yeah. feel mad, bad or sad is all right. So there's not something wrong with you. Yeah. But what we also need to do is be careful. We don't go, I'm depressed. Now, some people may be depressed, but sometimes... You're just feeling a bit low and that's okay. That's normal. Yeah. So then it's a question of, okay, maybe I need a little bit of hippo time, a bit of time out. Maybe I just need to get a bit more sleep, plan to do some things that I know will cheer me up, contact me mates, uh, even when I can't always see them, um, you know, take some exercise. There's lots of things we can do to lift ourselves up, but we don't beat ourselves up sometimes feeling a little bit low it's okay yeah so sometimes not always feel okay and that's what i wanted to do hippos do it and so should you let's not pretend we're always happy and positive because sometimes we're not but also remember this hippo time is a detour it's not your destination and i think some people decide they'll keep on all the time there are things you can do to help yourself there are things you can do to help each other it's a detour. It's not a destination. Yes. And we've done, um, we've done quite a lot of work recently at Phillips High School and in the start of this school year, definitely about the way we're feeling and looking at mental health and thinking like you just said there, it's okay to be, uh, is it mad, sad, or what was the third one? And bad. Bad. Yeah. If it's to feel mad, bad or sad. Yeah. And, and I've, I've you know, what's interesting, Mr. Barlow, is sometimes asking yourself or asking a friend or if a parent's listening to this on a scale of one to 10, where 10's fantastic, where do you feel at the moment? What would your score be? Yeah. And sometimes people are going to go, I'm a three. Well, that's really helpful because now I know where you're at. But then I want to ask you, yeah, but how long have you felt like a three? Because if you go since this morning, well, how were you yesterday? I was about a seven or an eight. 
Yeah. Now, if you stay at a three for quite a while, we're going to need to give you some help and support. Yeah. But very often, what seems like the end of the world this afternoon feels completely different the next day. Yeah. But you feel like, because your bread cap can dominate, hijack you, your emotions. It's terrible. I'm never going to be able to, you know, it feels like life's a two or a three. But within within sometimes hours and certainly within days, you could feel like a seven or an eight. Yeah. Now, if you feel like a three and have done for a long time, you need to ask an adult to get some support and help. Yeah. But very often we're up and down on that scale and that is life and it's okay. Yeah, excellent. Now, in the same chapter, I would just like to read the passage at the bottom of 91, as I believe it's quite important. Um, and something I believe passionately and follow myself. So I'll just quickly read the passage at the bottom of page 91. So we need to be kind to ourselves, to our bodies and to our emotions, especially when we are having some hippo time. And although you might not realise this, our bodies like being outside in the nature. Being inside for too long is not good for us. So if possible, get outside, get some sunlight, even when it's not sunny. Notice nature. Stare at the tree. Notice its leaves and how they move in the wind. I'm not just saying do vigorous exercise necessarily, although if you do already, that's a bonus. Just remember your body likes to move. It's good for you. So please look after it. It's the only one you have got. Now, myself and the other uh, PE teacher, Mr. Crinchy, are always stating to the pupils how important it is to get outside, get some exercise and how much it will improve the way that they feel. And I understand looking at your Twitter, Paul, I know you like to go out and do a lot of walks and get outside with nature. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So just for the listeners, if you are ever feeling a little bit low, go and have some exercise like we tell you into, P sorry, in PE. Um, and hopefully that will make you feel better. Yeah, it often will. And again, I've got that phrase, don't scroll inside, take a stroll outside. Because sometimes we make ourselves feel even worse and we sort of just need to get that, get that vitamin D, get, get, just get out into nature and you go, but well, it's dark, it's dark. All right, well, just get out into the air anyway. Yeah. Just make yourself wrap, wrap up warm, make sure you can be seen. And the body likes to move. We were designed to move and we feel better when we move. Yeah. Now, chapter five, don't forget your beach ball. Um, we've just done some restorative practice with our year sevens. And so much you talk about in this chapter is, is exactly what we're going through in now in form time. It is so important to know and understand that we all have different views and opinions on things, but we must learn to understand and deal with this. Just because you have a different opinion than somebody else's does not mean that you are right or you are wrong. And we must respect everybody's view and opinions. Now, don't forget the beach ball is the way you describe it. Can you just describe to the listeners what we mean by the beach ball? Yeah. So, and again, when you read the book, become a lot clearer. I want you to imagine, I want you to picture, so you've got to use your imagination here. The, the, we've got this big beach ball. You're stood on one side of it. I'm stood on the other side of it. And, and I, I ask you the question, so what colour is the beach ball? Now, because of where you're stood, you can only you see three colours. You see red, yellow and orange. So you go, the beach ball's red, yellow and orange. And I'm going, no, it's not. Because from where I'm stood, I'm looking at the other side of the beach ball and I'm seeing blue, white and green. And if we're not careful, we get into a bit of conflict. And I'm going, well, you're stupid. It's not red, yellow or orange, is it? And you'll go, and I'll go, yes, it is. And what I'm trying to say in life generally is, is recognise that for all kinds of reasons, people see the world or the beach ball or an issue differently. Parents see things differently from their children. Teachers might see things different to the children, to the pupils. Yeah. We, we, you might see things different to your mates for all kinds of reasons, your personality, what you like doing, what you don't like doing. And what I'm trying to say in, don't forget your beach ball, is stop and understand that not everybody sees the world the way you do. And that's okay. Yeah. But rather than just label them or laugh at them, try and understand them. Try and understand their side of the beach ball 
and why they see the beach ball the way they do. Maybe it's their previous experiences, maybe it's their culture, their, their upbringing, something about their background. Try and understand other people's side of the beach ball. And, and I would always say this, just because someone disagrees with you doesn't mean they dislike you. We need to learn that it's okay to disagree with each other. It doesn't mean we therefore hate each other because we will see things differently and that's okay. But for adults and children, I need to not just think it's blue, white and green. I need to take a little bit of time out to understand your side of the beach ball. And guess what? Maybe it's going to help your relationships if you also take some time out to understand my side of the beach ball. Because when we do that, rather than you seeing red, yellow and orange and me seeing blue, white and green, maybe we'll all see all six colours. But we'll only do that if we try and listen, we try and understand where other people are coming from. You might always agree with their opinion, but at least try and understand where they're coming from. So that's what I mean in that chapter, that sumo secret, don't yeah. forget your beach ball. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's, it's asking them to engage that blue part of the brain, isn't it? And just stop, understand, and then work yeah. with. And just Absolutely. And, and the reason we don't want to do that is it takes more effort. Yeah. Far easier to label people, to be prejudiced, yeah. to write them off, to put them in a box. Yeah. That's easy. The brain doesn't have to do a lot of thinking then. That's your red cap. Put your and blue cap on. Because <laughs> this is about us working together, living together, supporting each other, being kind to each other. That's what it's about. Yeah. Now, moving on just to the last chapter, Paul, and I have to say this is probably one of my favourite chapters in the book. Um, because it talks about how we are feeling. And this chapter is called Making the Magic Happen. Now, I make sure that on every interview we've done that the listeners know that it is okay to not be okay. Like you just stated before, it's okay to be bad, mad or sad. And feeling nervous or anxious is completely fine at certain times. Like you say, if we do not try anything new and come out of our comfort zones because we feel nervous, how are you ever going to experience the thrill or the buzz of trying and learning new things. And I think some listeners can be overwhelmed with different emotions, especially at this moment in their life, whether it's school, life situations, relationships, or the whole idea of another lockdown and learning from home. What advice could you give them at this moment in time? I understand, you know, we've just gone into another lockdown. We might not be coming out for a few weeks. People are getting sent home from school, home learning. What advice could you give those at the moment? I would just say acknowledge that you're going to feel a bit hacked off about it, that you will feel a bit sometimes frustrated, angry or feeling low. So you need your hippo time. But also you've got to go, hang on a minute. Am I just going to be dominated by how I feel? If I'm just waking up in the morning thinking I can't be bothered today, I can't be bothered can I just tell you, all you listeners, that adults think exactly that every single day as well. Yeah. Can I be bothered? Can I be bothered to do this, to sort that out? Here's a phrase I want everyone to like write down and remember. Right feelings follow right actions. Right feelings follow right actions. So I used to go to the gym a lot, now mainly walk. But, um, you know, the winter months, sometimes, because where my gym was, I needed to drive there. And I'm scraping the ice off my windscreen and I'm freezing. Do I, am I motivated to go to the gym? No. Do I feel like going to the gym? No. Do I go to the gym? Yes. Not because I felt like it, but I've made a decision. I want to talk about sumo, not look like one. So going to the gym could help me. Now, now I tend to just go for longer walks. And yeah. um, well, I left, I was doing an event that lasted nearly four hours this morning. Now, but I wanted to get a walk in. Then I had another podcast. Then I've got your podcast. There's not a lot of chance to do many walks today. So I thought if I can get up early, not if I can get up early, decide to get up early. I'm going to spend part of my walk in the dark. Fine. Wear your beanie with your little flashing lights on top so you can be seen. And do it. Now, did I feel motivated to do it? No. But you know what? When I got back, Mr. Barlow, I felt great. Yeah. I'd only done 10,000 steps to start the day. Wow. It's good to do. I make it a discipline. And sometimes young people and adults 
are waiting to feel, to have the right feelings yeah. before they're motivated to take the action. And what I'm just saying is, you're not always going to feel great, but just take a little step, just take some actions anyway. I want you all at some stage to write the following figures down because this, this is genius. Let me tell you, imagine, and you're like this, Mr. Barlow, because you're yeah. in your to your PE. Yeah. Imagine someone said to you, um, how easy would it be to walk a million steps every year? Or how easy would it be to walk an extra million steps a year? And it's like, whoa, a million? Yeah, we'll break it down. Because I don't feel motivated, because it's a million. But then you go, so what does a million steps look like each day? If you're to break it down each day, how many steps would it be each day? It would be 2,740 steps in a day. You do 2,740 steps every day. You've done a million in a year. Wow. Now, you, you're, we're doing more than that without even thinking about it. But let's say you decide that's your goal to do an extra million. So 2,740 steps. And then you kind of go, all right, well, um, what does that look like per hour? Well, you're not going to be up walking around every hour of the day. For maybe eight hours, you're in bed, asleep. So let's say you've only got 16 hours a day to be active, 16. What does, how many steps do you need to take in an hour in order to make sure you do 2,740 in a day, you need to do 172 steps in an hour. Yeah. You do 172 steps in an hour. For the time you're around, you've done a million in a year. Wow. <clears throat> and I think what we need to understand is we don't always feel motivated. We can feel the dream's great, the goal's good, a million sounds great, but we get demotivated. We kind of like, but you kind of go, but if I was to break it down, break the goal down, I could do that. Yeah. Some people listening to this go, I don't do exercise, I hate exercise. Don't call it exercise, call it movement, call it stepping. Yeah. Just take some steps, small steps. You don't have to be ultra sweaty or go to a gym and go for a big run or they can do all that. Yeah. Just decide 172 an hour. Because yeah. if I do 172 steps an hour for roughly 16 hours in the, in the day, I'll do a million in a year. I'll do a million, a million in a year by simply doing 172 steps in an hour. And if you miss an hour, have a busier hour the next one. Yeah. It can be done, not because you always feel motivated, not because you feel excited, but yeah. because you just decide to do it. Yeah. Same with your revision for, your, for, for exams, the same for so many things in life. So I've written 12 books. I don't take time off to write any of my books. I do it while I'm doing all the other stuff. People go, how do you write a book? One word at a time. That's how you write a book one word at a time that's how life is have your goal a million but then break it down into those little steps you take every single day and over time those steps will add up yeah it's like the i like the quote you don't have to be great to start but you have to start to be great you know you don't feel like doing it 100 you, you have to start somewhere and you it's like the they call him the nation's favourite PE teacher, Joel Wicks. I don't think that's quite true. Uh, I think it's myself. Uh, but he says the hardest thing is actually starting the exercise, isn't it? Once he's, once he's up, once he's involved, once he's started it, he feels so much better. So it's like you've just said, actually starting is the hardest bit. But once you get out there, you get up this morning, you have a quick walk, you feel so much better. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Just do it. Just, just get out there. Don't think too much about it. Just do it. Brilliant. 
Now, Paul, that leads me um, to the end of the interview. So I just want to say, lastly, thank you so much once again for taking the time to speak to us on our brand new project, being the Felix Positive Podcast. I'm sure the listeners, both children and adults, have learned something from the podcast. The book is so good and so easy to read with some very funny parts. Um, lastly, from you, where can they buy this book if they want to copy? Now, I know for the pupils at Phillips High School, we do already have a few copies in our library. Um, I will be putting mine into the staff library as well for those to read. But if there is people out there listening that want a copy of it, yes, where can they get that, Paul? Okay, I guess you, you can get it from waterstones.com online and Waterstones might have it when it's um, when the shop, shops are open. But if I'm honest with you, whether you're a fan of them or not, Amazon is your best bet because it's easier to get it from Amazon. And I have to say, Amazon is selling it cheaper than the Waterstones are. So Amazon is probably your best bet. And it may be by getting your own copy, because I hope that the ideas that you learn aren't just relevant if you're a young person, but they're relevant for the rest of your life. Yeah. I'm finding, just like yourself, Mr. Barlow, some adults who I wasn't in a sense thinking of when I wrote the book, yeah. some adults have really enjoyed it. They've loved the pictures because we know everyone likes a picture. Yeah. They've loved the bit of the humour. There's some brilliant illustrations. Yeah. And I hope it's a book that actually when you buy, you'll keep it for life. Yeah. And, and maybe you'll pass it on to other people who you know in your world because this stuff, trust me, I know works. It really works and it really helps people. And I hope this podcast has given people a flavour of that. Yeah, well, I will definitely be passing my book on to, to someone that I know it will go to good use, Paul. So last of all, thank you so much for taking the time out again. I know you, you must be so busy. You seem non-stop yourself. Um, so thank you. I really do appreciate you taking your time out to, to do it. Thank you, Paul. It's been great. Thanks, Mr Barlow, for the opportunity. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Thank you.